Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 439 for April 19th, 2015. This week, Amazon is making a concerted effort to convince more people to use its Prime Music service, and if you're already a Prime subscriber, it's a good choice. The demand for body cameras is increasing, and that's causing new companies to enter the marketplace. After investigating Google for five years, the European Union has finally struck. In short circuits, in addition to suits filed by internet service providers, the Federal Communications Commission could be under attack from Congress, and a new browser from Opera for Android devices might increase the Norwegian company's market share. In spare parts only on the website, a host of new security products from D-Link, Western Digital introduces new hard drives intended for the video surveillance market, and if you'd like 720 terabytes of storage, Supermicro has just the device for you. Although it doesn't have the breadth and depth of some of the competing services, Amazon Prime Music has the advantage of appearing to be free. Amazon Prime subscribers receive no extra cost two-day shipping on many products purchased from Amazon, they also receive some streaming video without additional cost and streaming music. Amazon Prime Music has been around for a while, actually since sometime last year, but Amazon has recently begun pushing messages out to Prime members to remind them about the music service, so I decided to take a look. The interface looks a lot like that from other services, except that perhaps Amazon Prime makes the purchase option just a little more prevalent. In addition to the player that runs in a web browser, Amazon offers players for nearly any device you may own. Users can upload their own music to the service, but the free offering allows space for only about 250 selections. Uploading might be important to you because you won't find any online selections from Universal Music Group, one of the larger music publishers. Should 250 uploads not be enough, you can store 250,000 tracks, that should be enough, for just $25 a year. Anything you've purchased from Amazon is available for listening to, even if you haven't downloaded it to whatever device you're using to listen. Listeners can choose selections from genres, artists, albums, or playlists. The playlists can be ones that the listener has created, or one that has been downloaded from the service. Amazon Prime Music has hundreds of these themed playlists. Some are a little strange in that they include artists' lesser-known or unknown recordings instead of the more recognizable selections. Each playlist displays a track listing, the total runtime, and the name of the creator. If you like a particular track or the entire playlist, you can add that music to an area called Your Music Library. No charge. The ready-made playlists are handy for times when you don't want to take the time needed to assemble your own playlist, and the selections might be somewhat limited, but the streaming quality is surprisingly good. If you have a slow connection, downgrading the line quality is an option. 
Any of those playlists will run for at least an hour. Some run for four hours or more. So if you're busy with something and you don't want to be interrupted by having to keep making selections, you could like these. And of course, there are no commercials on screen or interrupting the streaming content. Downloading the player instead of using the web browser interface will improve your experience. The player is a tiny file and it downloads in just a few seconds. The player doesn't have a lot of features, which could disappoint people who are used to using an application like MediaMonkey, for example. There is no visualization screen. There are only a few options for player sizing, full screen, resizable window, and mini player. And that mini player is still considerably larger than what many other players offer. Controls consist of buttons for play and pause, previous track, and next track. In some cases, you can give a track thumbs up or thumbs down. Thumbs up tells Amazon that you'd like to hear more tracks like the one you're listening to. Thumbs down, of course, is the opposite. And over time, the system will learn your preferences. Selecting the genre screen offers a variety of stations. Each station has a different approach to that particular musical genre. So Amazon Prime Music isn't enough to justify a subscription to Prime. That's $100 a year. But if you already have Prime and you enjoy music, it's a handy addition. Here's something you can file under the category, not surprising. Global demand for tiny video cameras, whether worn or installed for surveillance, is increasing profits for companies that make those devices, and it's pushing companies that haven't made the devices into considering new market opportunities. DirectView Holdings, for example, a company that has built hardware for security applications, says it will introduce a wearable camera within the next two months. The body camera will eventually be capable of connecting to a cloud-based storage system that DirectView is currently working on. This is a rapidly evolving market and companies clearly see a chance to profit from plans by police departments in many cities to issue body cameras as standard equipment to officers. Currently, the number of manufacturers is small. The United States has approximately 18,000 police departments, some with thousands of officers, others with just a few. Digital Alley and Taser International are working with about 3,500 of those departments right now. Taser makes cameras that are small but still highly visible. Some models are small enough to be attached not only to a uniform but also to apparel such as sunglasses. Taser's cameras feature what the company calls retina low-light technology that enhances night vision. Garmin International, better known for its GPS gear, says it will soon be shipping compact cameras that can capture high-definition, wide-angle images. The cameras will also be water-resistant up to about 160 feet. It's not only police who wear cameras. Those who enjoy extreme sports often use wearable cameras, too. Digital Alley manufactures audio and video recording equipment that can be mounted in cars. Some of its cameras attach to the rearview mirror and are designed for both law enforcement vehicles and commercial fleets. 
Body cameras were adopted by Danish police all the way back in 2005. Police in the UK began testing body cameras a year later. Evidence obtained from those body cameras is considered useful by prosecutors, and body cameras are now widely used in Europe. In the United States, the interest has become more pronounced in the wake of police shootings, but police unions in New York City, Las Vegas, St. Louis, and elsewhere oppose the adoption of body cameras. Police union officials say the cameras will distract officers and say that they're concerned about privacy. like the European Union is going after Google, and that should also be filed under the not-a-surprise category. The European Union is filing suit against Google charging antitrust violations, and if Google loses, it could see fines of $6 billion. That's enough money to make a difference even to a company as large as Google. The United States Federal Trade Commission conducted a similar investigation and decided that the charges wouldn't stick. But there's a fundamental difference between Google in the U.S. and Google in Europe. In the United States, Google is unquestionably the largest search engine, but there is still considerable competition. In Europe, Google has more than a 90% market share. The European Union says that Google gives its own search results higher placement, and that as a result, more relevant links are sometimes far from the top of the results. Dominant companies can't abuse their dominant position to create advantages in related markets. That's the way the European Union's leading antitrust official, Marguerite Vestager, explains the charges. But as I noted, there is no surprise here. The European Commission has been investigating for five years. Last year, Google lost in a court case involving a European law that establishes a right to be forgotten. The law requires Google to remove links once they're requested to do so. Google staged a major legal battle, and Google lost. Google must respond to the new complaint within 10 weeks, and if that response is anything other than an offer to stop doing what the European Commission objects to, the next thing to expect will be a very long court case. In short circuits, we're seeing more attacks on net neutrality. Legislation is being considered by the House of Representatives to eliminate the Federal Communications Commission's net neutrality rules. The ruling made Internet service providers common carriers, which I think they should have been from the beginning. The big trade associations have already filed suit, and now some members of the House are trying to open a second front. A resolution of disapproval introduced by Georgia Republican Doug Collins is intended to use fast-track powers under the Congressional Review Act to destroy the FCC's net neutrality rules. 
The measure is likely to pass in the House. The future is a little less certain in the more level-headed Senate. Collins says that procedural rules of the Congressional Review Act mean that the bill would need only a simple majority in the Senate. Still, if it passes both houses, the president could veto it. But a veto could be overturned by Congress. So it's a lot like a chess game. And of course, it's not like there are any other more pressing problems for Congress to consider. The National Journal noted this week that previous attempts to fast-track repeals of regulations have largely been unsuccessful. On a third front, this one also in Congress, the Internet Freedom Act promises to enforce a watered-down form of net neutrality while limiting the FCC's power to regulate broadband. You know, that sort of seems like telling your cat that it shouldn't eat the fish you left out on the counter and then going out for the evening. U.S. Telecom filed suit almost immediately after the FCC formally published the new rules, and the CTIA Wireless Association, National Cable and Telecommunications Association, and the American Cable Association all piled on with suits of their own. The ACA, which generally represents smaller Internet service providers, says that it really does support net neutrality, but it disagrees with the FCC's classification of broadband as a common carrier service. The other organizations have all filed suits to overturn the rules that prohibit them from doing things they say they don't do anyway. Opera says that it plans to double its Android user base by 2017 from the current user base of 130 million. The company is looking for 275 million users within two years, and one of the reasons they're expecting more business is their new Opera Mini browser. This week, Opera Software released a new version of the Opera Mini mobile browser with a redesigned interface that more closely matches Android's native look and feel. Two Opera browsers are now available for Android devices. There's Opera and Opera Mini. Expect a full review of the new browser after I've had the opportunity to use it for a while. Android devices, of course, come with the Chrome browser already installed, but other browsers are available for smartphones and tablets. These include the well-known Firefox, along with Maxthon, Dolphin Puffin, and a bunch of others you've probably never heard of. Opera claims more than 80% market penetration on Android devices, and that, for a browser that must be explicitly downloaded by users, seems a little high to me. On desktop and notebook systems, Opera's market share is generally less than 5%. A lot less than 5%. In releasing the new Opera Mini browser, Opera CEO Lars Boylson said that doubling its user base by 2017 will further cement Opera's position as a dominant browser in the fast-growing, emerging economies. Opera Mini has a simplified menu structure, redesigned speed dial function, private browsing mode, modified browser layout that they say is more thumb-friendly, enhancements to the built-in Discover news feed, and a scalable interface with higher resolution for tablets and large phones. I'll tell you more once I've had a chance to look at it. Right now, you can take a look at spare parts only on the website. Host of new security products from D-Link. 
Western Digital introduces new hard drives intended for the video surveillance market. And if you'd like 720 terabytes of storage, check out Supermicro. They have just what you're looking for, but you better have very deep pockets. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.